I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Number one. Jack's funny. Number three. Mark Murphy. Number four. Bryce Gibbs. Number five. Family Princess Season. Number six. Kate Simpson. Number seven. Devin Buckley. Number eight. Matthew Cruiser. Number nine. Patrick Cripps. Number 10. Harry McKay. Number 11. Sam Killage. Number 12. Lane Bogurst. Number 13. Jed Lamb. Number 14. Jim Jones. Number 15. Sam Duckley. Number 16. Billy Smats. Number 17. Sam Rowe. Number 18. Tristan Jacks. Number 19. Liam Thunder. Number 20. Lucky Plowman. Number 21. Um, Kieran. Kieran Sheehan. Number 22. Caleb Marchbank. Number 23. Jacob Bridley. Number 24. Um, Reese Palmer. Number 25. Zach Fisher. Now I know all the way up to 25. Good plan, good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounced on its point, wow. Sanctum, that was gorgeous. Claudette, she's five years old. Was she lured into saying all those Carlton players' names, Alicia? I won't give away names, John O'Bing, but um, <laughs> she has to learn these for her homework. <laughs> Does she also have to listen to six women talking footy on the Outer Sanctum? Is that part of her family motto as well? That's right. The minute she listened to the Richmond theme song, which is her favourite, he shut that down very quickly. Oh. So. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm Emma Race and I'm joined, as always, by my football-talking and loving women lady friends. How are you, Dr. Kate Sear? I'm good. I'm still a bit husky, so I'll do my best. Sexy. Husky and sexy. sexy. That's what I thought. How are you, sexy Lucy Race? I'm bringing sexy back. (laughs) Yeah. How are you, Felicity Race? I'm just feeling a bit awkward about Lucy, (laughs) quite frankly. How are you, Nicole Hayes? I'm fine. Feeling a bit under siege with these sirens going everywhere. I don't know if you can hear them in the background. No, I don't think anyone can hear them. (laughs) How are you, Alicia, sometimes? I'm pumped. pumped. Pumped and hot. I know. It's like 40 degrees in here. I think we're going to walk out with a tan or at least, you know, five kilos lighter, which I... Talk up as a win, I suppose. <laughs> hey, um, let's kick this off. We've got Omen Watch back for everybody's favourite crappy segment. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> you got it, Katie? I do, yeah. So I just wanted to start this off by saying that, you know, obviously we've been doing Omen Week for, for a little while now, on and off. And a couple of weeks ago when I was really um, trying very hard to identify patterns and perhaps some omens in past games, I made the point, I think Lucy also made the point, that what I really needed to do was start to start to learn how to identify these patterns and omens in advance rather than retrospectively. So I just wanted to talk myself up a little bit if I could because (laughs) um, in the last round, I reckon I'm the only person in Australia who tipped Hawthorne to beat Adelaide in Adelaide. I tipped Hawthorne to win by 12 points and they won by 14. So it's pretty close. Like I'm getting pretty good at that. And then in the Sydney game, that amazing finish – 
um, from our actual Outer Sanctum um, Twitter account, I tweeted just as Buddy kicked that point with about maybe 25 seconds to go or something, missed that shot from about 50 or 60 out. I tweeted that that might be a valuable point and then, oh my Goddard happened. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Swans kicked the goal and won by one point. So what I wanted to tell our listeners and also mainly you, Lucy, because you were ribbing me about I'm this. listening is that I have managed to work it out, but I can't reveal my secrets here today. <laughs> Nor replicate them. No. <laughs> is it to do with the magic eight ball? I can't say. Oh, I can't goodness. say. I'm taking the secret to my grave. But I know I know what's going to happen in all of the games now. I'm like oh, Nostradamus. Awesome. Well, is this something to do with who is 17th on the ladder? Yeah, it might be. Because um, I did see someone tweet this oh, last week that uh, 17th position on the ladder is now the longest winning streak. So... Um, I'd be keeping your eyes on the Suns and North Melbourne this week. Well, of course, I'm on Mathematical Watch and um, I looked at the number 17 because there is a phenomenon called heptadecaphobia, which means <laughs> of fear of the number 17. Um, in Italy, the number 17 is considered very unlucky by many, but I love this to go to numerology. It means that it is about building things intended to last many generations and it's to do with building in a self-determined way. But in the tarot, it means it's the card of the stars. So something in it. And it represents hope and what will come true. I think that's how we felt last Thursday night. (laughs) But how was that round last week? Fantastic. It was crazy. What was? Does yeah. anyone remember what that stat was? It was like every every game was decided by. Sorry, Kate, I do. you've got it. Yeah. I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not mine. It's Josh K, who we've had on in a previous uh, episode, the statistician to the stars. I think you mm-hmm. described him as M. Yeah, he tweeted on the weekend that the most one to three point margins in in. Uh, VFL, AFL history, there were 17 games in 1928 that had a one to three point margin and albeit fewer teams, of course, back in those days. But by the end of last weekend's round, we were already at 17 games that have had a margin between one and three points and there are still about 90 games left. So obviously we're comparing apples and oranges in a way because, you know, the competition was much smaller in the 20s. But in any event, you know, this is really the closest season in history. I feel like we need like a health warning at the start of every game now Mm. for 2007. Like, you know, if you've got a heart condition, don't watch. Or if you're heavily pregnant, it's like, (laughs) am I really late to the party? I've just worked out. It's 2017. I just worked that out too. 17. Did we just blow everyone's ears? Wow. At least she's looking at us like we're idiots. That was my point. Um, Joe Danaher watch, is that going to get its own it's gonna take as well? Yeah, it's a really long one. He signed a three-year contract. Mm, okay, thanks Yeah, there you go. 17. Just, a, just a weekly check-in on how Joe's going. I was just uh, mixing it up before we get to commentary <laughs> corner. Is this media on me? Is this second-tier media on media? Is that it's what we're so doing meta, here? isn't it? Yeah, it Commentary is. corner, I love it. Mm-hmm. I didn't realise we were calling it that, but it's... I think she just made it up. Paddington stuck Pays a little homage to Pooh's Corner. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no, but go. it's Paddington who's created died, isn't it? Sorry, I thought you were acknowledging oh, no, that. Oh, that was a very sad yeah. thing. So commentary corner, whose segment is that? Is that yours, Nicole? Sure. Oh, <laughs> I've only got the uh, I think uh, Lucy and I have a couple. Um, I think they – and oh, you've gone too. So um, ours features BT, who at the Essendon-Sydney uh, match declared that at the after the game that – 
Essendon had made two or three fatal errors, and I just wanted BT to remind him that the, you can only ever make one fatal error, unless maybe you're Jesus, but that generally that's kind of the end of it. Mind you, Sydney were a bit like Jesus in that game. They just they were, a bit they like were resurrected Jesus. about eight times in the final quarter alone. It might surprise you that BT also made it into my commentary corner, and um, pre-game he was on the ground and having a chat and he said, have you ever seen someone like Joe Danaher who is so quick to get boot to foot? <laughs> oh. And I thought that's really useful for when your boot flies off in the middle of the game. So mm. great that he's good at that. But I also liked Cameron Ling who said, I'm not saying he's Buddy Franklin. No one's Buddy Franklin. <laughs> what? One person is. I guess one person is. Even he isn't. <laughs> but but I'm like, I love the poetry of that, Lucy, and I really love that um, people are using uh, sentences with it ending in a verb, like Nicole Hayes is a good kick. Yes. Ah, I am. Yes. Thank you. She actually is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm just loving it. So I, I think each week we look at the poetry and that's a beautiful way of language to come into existence. But uh, It's better than versing. But oh, <laughs> we're going to do a whole pot on that. But I, I actually like the word proppy. Proppy. I've that word. Poppy. But I did go back and have a look. It's in the dictionary. It's mid-19th century Australian. Actually comes from a... Equestrian term, it's when a horse stops still and their forelegs are rigid. So it means wow. they stop still. So it's actually <laughs> a horse term. But that's not what happens to them. No. no. The players, you know, when they describe no, it. No, no, they don't. They don't have four. They don't have four legs for starters, for as start, far as I'm aware. Right. Exactly. Um, did you notice that footballers though can never be very proppy? They're always just a little bit proppy. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's true. That's true. So okay. there must be a further word. For that makes actually. even less sense than Felicity because how can you be? Just a little bit stopped with your forelegs rigid. <laughs> I think you're conflating your footballers and your racehorses. Mm. Well, apparently mm. I am. Mm. On um, commentary watch, that you know your mention of the Buddy Franklin one also reminds me of that other uh, thing that commentators say all the time when they say, you know, you've got your Buddy Franklins, you've Gary got Ablett. your Gary Ablets. <laughs> so there's either no Buddy Franklins or multiple <laughs> Buddy Franklins, <laughs> never just the one. Like what's with that? Quantum physics again? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wave and a particle all at the yep. same time. Yeah. Something. Quantum entanglement. The one I always like is. Um, um, on commentary watch, look at me jumping in here. I thought I had nothing. Is that when during the football you often hear them talking about the medicos, and the only other place I ever hear medicos used is mash yeah. or ER. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny they don't call it the medical team or, or the doctors. Medi- yeah, Medi- medicos. Medi- anyway, uh, so have we all been on tribunal watch? Um, yeah. This has been a very interesting. It's like a four-part drama series, mm. really. I think we're heading into the fourth part now. The fourth chapter. Katie, have you been watching it? Have you been down at the courthouse with a sandwich (laughs) and um, some donuts? Hot coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there wearing a wig and a gown and everything. I wasn't doing appearing. I just wanted to get dressed up for the occasion. But um, were you a character witness? (laughs) In character. Um, Oh yeah. Look, it's fascinating. Um, So obviously the what may be the final chapter, although perhaps not necessarily, the final chapter will play out tonight because the AFL has appealed the tribunal's decision for the first time in history. It's really, really mm. interesting and they've copped quite a bit of criticism about doing that. I think everyone involves copped some criticism. Um, so obviously I think most of our listeners will be aware of it, but just to recap, Basha Hooley, who plays for Richmond, went before the tri- tribunal this week 
uh, for an incident where he had made contact with a player and knocked that player out. And among many other things that transpired, he had two um, people able to uh, give character, or three, was it three people three, gave him yeah. evidence as character witnesses. They were the Prime Minister, uh, Walid Ali, and who was the third one, Lucy? Do you Mark, Williams. Mark Williams. But what happened was that the, there are some guidelines in the AFL tribunal, uh, sorry, the AFL tribunal's guidelines state, and I quote here, where there are exceptional and compelling circumstances, the tribunal jury may impose such sanction as they, in their absolute discretion, think fit. So that's what happened here. They decided that um, there were exceptional and compelling circumstances because of Bashahuli's character and gave him what some consider to be a perhaps a too lenient sentence. So there's been a lot of debate about the role of character witnesses and whether they're appropriate or not for AFL D- tribunals. Just to clarify though, did Malcolm Turnbull actually write a character witness? No. no. Like statement? No. It was taken from the event that Richmond had held days earlier when I think he had been on hand to open the new program that Bachelor Hall is kind of running at Richmond, which we'll get to in another. So they quoted him. My query was, was Waleed there dressed as the mascot or was he there as himself? (laughs) Because you know he was the tiger for some time. Curious about that. (laughs) Do you have a confirmation? No, I don't know. No, okay. I would have loved to have seen him turn up as the mascot and give evidence, so that would have been gold. Mm. Do you think if you can take a a, like a pre-taped thing of someone saying something about you and use it as a character reference. Does that mean we all save our like 21st speeches and things like that? You know, those moments in time when... <laughs> I was going to say, say what's mine? that 21st you go to? Yeah. You know? They're roastings. I was curious though, like if you needed a character witness, Alicia, yes, who would step up for you? Oh, no one. <laughs> No, oh. I totally. I mean, I have no value, but I totally would. Uh, if I, I are we doing this? Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. Like well, to know. if I can't have my dog, I'm gonna have to go because he likes me more than most people. But um, <laughs> I'm going back to my grade six English teacher. I think that was. The, I think she's alive. Was that oh. your pinnacle? I think that was when yeah. I peaked in grade six. Oh, I love that. What about you, Emma? Mine would be Beyonce. She'd probably have to do it by um, teleconference Skype? or Skype right. or something, only because she's seen me at my very best and she's seen me at my very worst, which was when I had a single ticket to her concert and I stood at the front and mouthed all the words and I was seven months pregnant. Oh, oh she'd love that. She'd yeah. love that. Yeah. Anyone else got one? Well, if it's not any of you girls in this room, I was thinking maybe John Fain because I text in a lot to the ABC <laughs> yes, and and I feel like he knows me well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit like Alicia. I'm clutching at straws. I would have said one of you. But um, no, in all seriousness. Sorry. we taken. Celine Dion, maybe. No, in all seriousness, we were having this co- discussion over coffee earlier this morning, and I'm going to sound like a full wanker when I say this, but it's important. I actually could have, you know, some judges that I know. And that, that says a lot about the way that character references work, I think. You know, that mm. it's who you know. It's who it's you network. know. Yeah. It's who you know. And that sometimes you're in a position, and this is obviously a lot of the criticism of Hawley's case, is that he's in a position to call in very high-profile people like mm. the Prime Minister, who albeit perhaps didn't know that he was giving a character <laughs> reference at the time or that his, evidence, uh, that his statement would be read into evidence. And I think a number of people have said, you know, this is one of the problems with the tribunal mm. process, that if you've got people that you can call upon who say you're a good bloke, you know, you might be treated more favourably. What if you don't know anybody? And that actually reflects what happens every day in the ordinary court system where, you know, you always want people to have character witnesses and sometimes you know very um, upstanding members of the community Um, sometimes you know losers like yeah. us, and that's all you've got <laughs> to go with, you know. But it's true, p- privilege, privilege begets matters. Privilege. Yes, yes. Yeah. Which becomes problematic. Mm. Of course the, it does. Is mm. the umpire's word the last word? The umpire actually, w- 
you know, who was there, it's Matt Stevie. He was 35 metres away, clear, unobstructed view. And he actually um, argued for a, a case of careless rather than intentional in the first place. So I find that interesting that his testimony or his, um, he, what, what he, his language wasn't actually taken into account when the charges were laid. Messy from the beginning, really, It was really, messy wasn't from it? the beginning. I thought it was problematic when I saw it because there was mm. force and obviously the result was really bad, but he also wasn't looking. Like it was, it was intentional. But it's funny. But he wasn't. He wasn't lining he up. Yeah, it's you know funny. What I mean? Yeah, it's Reckless. funny how divisive it is. Because I watched it with a lot of people who said, "No, my God, he meant that." And no, I was like, "I don't I think so." That, no. But um, people were shouting and screaming yeah. that he meant it. The, he went. Uh, Jed Lamb went down hard, and that is that very confronting vision, to see. Mm. And yeah. if he's going to miss more than two weeks, if yeah. he's going to miss three weeks, then you know, yeah, I think you probably have to take that into mm. account. I yeah. yeah. wonder about that. I feel like the AFL have really made a for themselves here. Well, the big issue I think is whether there's a temporal dimension to it because what you're trying to do is examine a snapshot in time, a moment that might take, you know, less than a second and judge that. But then, you know, in the AFL process, what you're allowed to do is then look back further in time at that person's character and activities over a long period of time, try and situate that snapshot of time in that broader context. But then also thinking about time again, fast forward and think about what that person's character might be like into the future, mm. whether they're they're likely to be a good person and so on, which is what happens in the criminal mm. law. And, and it's always a really difficult process to try and think about moments of time in the context of broader time, future and past. So I think it raises a lot of questions about what the tribunal's going to do going forward. The AFL's clearly not happy with the decision and I think they might tweak the rules about things like character evidence. But yeah. Well that talk of time makes me think that quantum physics is going to come into it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. They're probably going to call on you to be a witness. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay with that, the astrophysicists yes. listening. Or maybe they already have <laughs> I can't wait to be yes. caught up. Hey, I've got a really funny story which is not you know, it wasn't funny at the time. I lost my daughter on the weekend, my three-year-old. I was at, she's fine. I just <laughs> was at a VFL game. I was at the Box Hill Hawks um, versus Darabin Falcons. And I lost her and I couldn't find her anywhere. And then after panicking and telling a few people, I've lost the little one, um, I just saw this little tiny face and she was sitting down among the Box Hill girls stretching. <laughs> oh, oh, my I God. couldn't see her because she was down on the ground Lisa. level. I know. Oh, and they were all just letting her stretch. Doing her hammies. Yeah, doing a hammies. Yep, adorable. When you said you had a funny story, I thought you were going to tell the other story. From are you, are you allowed to tell the other story from the weekend? Oh yes, from Saturday. Mm. What happened? Oh, okay, um, we're amongst friends. We're am- yeah, yeah, no, right. no, one's, no one's listening anyway. Are they? Don't think so. The footy. So you know that the footy show is going up against the front bar. And I don't know if I've disclosed this before, but lots of people have worked this out, that I am married to a man who hosts a TV show called The Front Bar. His name's Andy Ma, and he's a very nice man. He's a bit of a dork. But you like him. We keep him around. So I haven't really outed myself about that before, but so many people have pieced it together because they see him holding my handbag while I'm having a kick. (laughs) Can I I say something on that? I Googled you once. You'll remember this. I can't remember why I was Googling you, but you know when you're Googling and it comes up with Psycho. a kind of predictive text like you know mm. i typed in emma race and the first suggestion that came up to keep googling was sam mitchell and the second one was andy <laughs> <Mark>. <laughs> yes! Yes! there's my character no witness sam 
Yeah, Mitchell. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, so anyway, Andy was um, Andy was meant to <laughs> fill in on radio on the weekend because he does a bit of radio himself. He's just a novice. He's I'm teaching him everything he knows. Um, anyway, and he was meant to be filling in for Hutchie, who is the host of the Footy Show on the on a Croc Media show, which Croc Media is a, a company that Hutchie owns. I think it's like worth bazillion dollars or something like that. Hutchie was overseas last week, I think, which must have been really annoying for a footy fan because those games were so awesome on the weekend. Um, And so Andy was meant to fill in for him and he got across town at like 7am to fill in for Hutchie and the producer, embarrassed kind of face, came down and said like, ah, no, I can't let you in. Hutchie's having a crisis of conscience about giving you an extra platform in this week when the footy show is taking on the front bar, which was kind of hilarious. It was great for me because Andy could come home and help me with the ballet and sport run with the kids. (laughs) And he got paid the full amount not to be on air, which I think speaks volumes about what people really think of Andy. Um, (laughs) But I was thinking about how funny it is because the footy show has, um, that's been around for like two Hundred million years. Yes, like, approximately. That's the Jurassic period, right? Yeah. And um, and the front bar is brand new baby show. And Andy is not like a big media player, but I think Hutchie might be jumping at shadows. Little, little Hutchie. Killer, I'd say. Mm. Is this an exclusive? Maybe. I don't know how many other people know about it, but yeah, sure, it's an exclusive. But what a perfect time for us. We're talking about footy shows. We've got a very special guest for you this week. When we bang our heads on the wall about intersectional inclusion in the media, one show is the tonic. Mangrook talks footy in an inclusive, footy-mad, family-friendly way. Its focus on Indigenous voices in the game no way overshadows the fact that women have always been a part of the show. One of these superstars is Shelley where She joins us in the studio. How are you, Shelley? I'm great. Thanks Yay. for having me, beautiful people. It's <laughs> like we've actually just got the whole family together now that you're here. <laughs> oh, bless. It certainly is a lot fancier than the lounge room we were in. By that lounge room is very fancy. Yeah, that's that was a full year ago when we when we caught up with you. So the context of that was that we had asked you to come in to be our guest and we were so excited. But of course you walked into a full blown shitstorm that day <laughs> and we right. didn't know what was hitting us and you walked in and you were actually the voice of reason. You were very calm and you were like, Yes, welcome. Absolutely. Welcome to this space. She held her hand through the whole thing, actually. It was really oh, lovely, didn't lovely. she? She was like, just guided yep. us through. Oh. We want to talk about, there's a new program that you're working on at the at your beloved Carlton Football Club. Oh, yes. Can we start with that? Yeah, that's. I was really honoured to get that. Um, Uncle Sid Jackson, he told me that um, he's put me up to be on the rap committee for the um, Carlton Football Club. So I was really thrilled. And then they went through the process and they selected me to be a part of it. So I get to a essentially look after Indigenous affairs at, with a group of amazing people, help them look after the Indigenous affairs at the Carlton Football Club and um, the four young boys that are playing there. So we had our first meeting last week and it was just just felt like I was just at home. It just felt so great. It was really wonderful to be there. What a beautiful opportunity to, I guess, meld your family and your history and where you've come from like, geographically. Yeah. With your love of Carlton. Absolutely. And it was lovely to have a family member there too with Kim LaBoyce from um, Sejuna and the Kniba Football Club where we both have a strong ties. So it was, it was really special. And at first I thought, oh, what, what have I got to offer the boys and um, the Carlton Football Club? Being myself, because that's essentially what they wanted, just what I had to offer. And, and then as I sat there, I thought, jeez, I do know a lot of stuff. 
<laughs> I have got a bit to offer here. So I felt I felt really, really comfortable in sharing my ideas and, and what I want for the boys in their future and what I want for them as they are part of the football club. Did they bring up what some of the current issues are for Indigenous players who were being brought into the AFL stream? Yeah, yeah, we talked all about that. It was a really quick meeting because we actually got to hear the boys' stories. So they sat down and shared with us their story, which was um, really special. So it was like a re- pressing the restart button because Andrew Walker also um, joined the panel. So a bit of an induction. So we talked about that. We talked about junior sport as well, getting young Indigenous children involved in that through the football club, what they could do in their role. And I brought up what I was really interested in the the Carlton boys and their future and me wanting them to leave with money in their pocket because um, with Aboriginal people we have family that will often knock on our door and just take um, at will and you have this obligation to give money but I really wanted them to start and I want our Aboriginal community to actually stop and think that it shouldn't be about what money's in our pocket about the actions that we do within our community and the changes we can have as a person through our actions so when they finish they essentially have money in their banks for their families futures. As an educator do you also have a kind of idea of how you can support them to have another career as they're also coming up through the football world? Yes that actually came up too so we looked at um Claire O'Kelly, she works with forestry, so she was talking about there's opportunities there and there was also um, opportunities with the um, Indigenous programs, young other Indigenous programs. So we talked about those two for them to do while they're at Carlton. I guess because they're such young boys, we'll also talk about what they can do afterwards. When you talk about um, the actions that you take, Shelley, I've noticed your campaign with the Kaniba Football Club and your actions in terms of helping to relay that surface and I saw the lights went up this week they so do. can you tell us a little bit about your links to Sejuna and why it's important and why grassroots football is really important to you? Um, I grew up in Sejuna till I was about six years of age but that was where my father was from we moved on to Adelaide just because he became a, the first Aboriginal police officer so he ended up um, getting stationed to an Manham in South Australia but that's where um, my dad grew up and that's where all my family still are like people say oh do you have any family in Sejuna I say oh just the whole entire community (laughs) everyone there's my family and that's why I could never date anyone in Sejuna because dad said that's your cousin (laughs) (laughs) so that was never an issue that's like Emma in Ringwood yeah Yeah, so it was really important to me as I said about the cult boys that we have actions that we do for um, within our community so my cousin actually came here last year year and said that for the last five years he's been working really hard at trying to get recycled water onto the oval and getting the lights which was a a really huge dream and he said I don't ever know if that's going to happen and he said I've been trying 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 and I said well why don't I just write a blog this this new thing called blogs you know (laughs) I don't really know a lot about them is is the blog on the world wide web (laughs) it is on the world wide web next to podcasts But so I wrote a blog and um, it just went crazy. Within 24 hours, people in Parliament had requested me to change words that I needed to change within the structure of the blog so that they could support the actual project. And and just I couldn't believe what had happened. So to have the community have this opportunity where there'll be grass all year round, so now we can look at soccer, we can look at cricket, and, you know, they can be there during the night and not go home because we have huge problems in Sejuna with alcoholism and um, domestic violence at night when there's just nothing to do. So, you know, the lights will be on within a week and I'm actually going back to Sejuna 
NAIDOC week, so it's NAIDOC week next week. So I'm going back on Friday for the, the turning on of the lights. Wow. So, the Shelley Ware yeah. Memorial Light. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get one. I even tried to get one for my dad, but my uncle's going to do it. And they said, oh, we can't. there's too many families in Sejuna. I said, don't worry about them. They'll be all right. <laughs> so are, they, are they actually naming the light towers? Yeah. They were going to, but there are literally too many strong family connections to the Kaniba Football Club. So um, it's just for all. I think they're going to be essentially for the old old men and women that have passed and are in heaven and that are looking down on us. So there's going to be a tribute to all of the the people that have, you know, been along there for the journey, including my father and and my cousin who I worked really close with in Wayne Miller, um, his grandfather. um, We were only saying last night when we were celebrating together on the phone that, um, you know, they'll be watching down on us probably crying. And he said when the the last light tower went up, he said, the rain came and oh. he said, I think they were just having a big cry. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a really special, wonderful thing to be able to do for my community. And, and he said that the whole entire town, while they were putting them up, came through and drove through with their cars and were just sitting there. And he said all the oldies were getting out of their cars crying. So, it's just changed the whole community, you know. And they're undefeated. Looks like we go to the grand final. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's unreal. So speaking of community, you've been involved in football now for, you know, well, with long Mungrook, time. a long time, but at least 10 years with Mungrook. So has the footy landscape changed for the Indigenous kind of community, do you think, over these years? Uh, I think, well, you listen to the history of what's happened over the years, like with Uncle Sid and his stories and all that. Look, it's just so accepting, you know, when just in the last 10 years, you'd go to the football. I had to actually stop taking my son to the football because people thought it was okay to just be continuously racist around you and and then we had the period with Adam Goods where they thought they could just say oh I wonder if we're booing them because of this you know so it'd be like oh god so we couldn't you know change I had to stop taking him so we're going this Saturday to give it another crack <laughs> so it's um it can be really difficult just to sit in the crowd but I do believe that that has really changed and developed really a lot even in the last two years mm. so um we're moving forward constantly how does someone who grows up in Sedona and then Adelaide come to be at Carlton? Well, when I moved over here for love a few <laughs> years ago with a um, footballer, that's how I essentially became involved in the AFL. Then I met my husband and he said to me, I know you don't have a really strong connection with a football club because I grew up with the Port Adelaide Football Club with Russell Ebert was just like my hero, you know, posters and everywhere and all that sort of stuff. And then we didn't have the Crows and Port Adelaide growing up. And then they came when I was 18 and going to nightclubs. So I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so then I moved to Melbourne and then I barracks for Collingwood because I was supporting my partner at the time. And then when I met my husband, he said, well, I'm going to have a boy and my boy is going to barrack for Carlton. It's going to be so much easier if his mum does too. <laughs> so I went, okay. Uh, is, that, is that actually how he proposed? <laughs> that wasn't far off. <laughs> Shelley, I'm interested to know how it is that over the years, with some of the experiences you've just described, you know, going to the footy, being surrounded by um, racism in the crowd, in the, um, how have you maintained your love of and connection to the game in spite of all of the things that it's thrown at you? Well, I, I think I just take it as I do the same way I do in life. You know, I get things thrown at me, and we, as we essentially all do, from different angles of people that are just revolting people. And I just think, you want to choose to be that way, that's your choice. I don't want to take any of it on board. And I'll be the person that I want to be, and I'll make 
the pathway I want to be. So sometimes it might chip away at your armour. You might get a little bit sad, but um, everyone is on their own path and I'm not going to take on board the path that they've chosen to be on. Has your connection to the game ever been challenged though, like maybe in the Adam Goods period or? Oh, that was hard. That was a really difficult time. That actually, I've never suffered depression. I don't know what that feels like. So I don't even want to say that um, it was felt like I had depression, but I had just such a profound sadness throughout my body. And it was just for probably two weeks, I completely shut down from social media. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't, I was, didn't want to take phone calls from people. I had like really, really close friends who accidentally sent text messages that they were sending to other people. You know, when you do that, when you're thinking of someone and then you send it to (laughs) another and they were like ape pictures. And and so, you know, it was, it was horrific. Like the time was really, really soul destroying. So that was hard, but I had to look at it as not as an AFL thing, as a society thing. And, um, as I picked my pieces up, I just got back up and, you know, and I had things, issues with my son at school and kids calling him an ape. I had to go across the road and talk to a friend about that and ask them to, their daughter to stop doing that for my son. So at the same time as the horrible things that happened, it also opened up a lot of conversations. So those conversations, are, and that's why I think in the last two years, people have really de- like developed more of an understanding and it's, it's become a better space. Shelley, was there a, a, a real greater sense of community in at Mangrook at that time? Yeah, um, there was. Everybody was really struggling. Everyone was really sad and we actually ended up having a whole show dedicated to it. Also, well, not a whole show, probably a whole first two segments were just completely dedicated to talking about it. It was good because we got to have our say in an, a space that wasn't cut off by some... Because we had a lot of people that wanted to talk to us on radio and, like, you know, we had like, people were calling us that night, I want you to come in and, like, I, luckily... I had taken a quadril night flu tablet. <laughs> I said, sorry, can't drive. So I essentially couldn't go into all of the mainstream media that for the first time ever wanted to talk to me. But they really wanted me to say, geez, look at what he did. Isn't he just a fool? So um, I was lucky enough to have had that quadril night flu tablet <laughs> that I couldn't drive. And then I spoke to some really close mentors and they said, do not say a word. Let's say something on Margaret. So we got to speak our truth without being cut off, without it being printed differently, you know, without someone's version twisted into it. So we did. We, we sort of stuck together and um, supported each other through that. Last week, um, Nicole and I were lucky enough to come along to the 10th yes. birthday celebration at Mangrook. One of the things that really struck us was, I guess, what goes on in the ad breaks. Um, the, there is such a genuine love between all those people up there and what, you know, especially watching ex-players tell their stories and then yeah. afterwards everyone just reconnecting and yeah. saying, you keep looking after that boy at your club or how's that kid yeah, going? Oh, or, there is such a network sitting yeah. behind all those people yeah. on the panel, isn't there? Absolutely. Whenever we get the older guests on, um, Gilly, you know, half the time he spends it just celebrating and so excited and then the other half of the time he um, we have to drag him in for makeup because he's too busy crying because he's so excited about something or something's reminded him <laughs> of something. You know, it is that real connection, especially with oldies coming back in and it's um, really good. And the young ones then again, we're like, you know, whatever you need, you know, you call us and we're forever sharing phone numbers of other Indigenous footballers to make sure that they have a connection and they can call them and, you know, they're feeling a bit lost and... We're lucky enough to have Neville Jetter on this year, who's part of the um, Players Association. So I've handed out his number a few times already <laughs> when the boys are like, you know, I'd like to see more Aboriginal people. So he's made sure that they do feel connected. So everyone's always looking out for each other. I've got a query. Um, 
So the footy show goes up against Marnbrook um, every Thursday, yep. really. And um, there was a big thing when Rebecca Madden landed on the footy show and people saying first woman hosting <laughs> a footy show. Yeah. <laughs> how did you and Lila kind of dissect that? How did you how did you kind of swallow that? Oh, I didn't really care. I was happy for Rebecca and what was going on in her space. Um, it was like, oh, but like we'll, we'll always get left out of stories, you know. So, you know, um, people will write stories about women in football and, you know, then often the girls are in the story will contact us and say, oh, you should have been a part of this too and we're really sorry. So the girls are aware of it. It's um, reporters will leave us out, media leaves us out. I don't know what it is. I do, but, I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy for her, but used to what happened. Well, the more women in the space, the better, I suppose. And you Absolutely. guys are flying the flag. We're so thrilled you could come in today and play with us and we thank could you. talk about you and your stories and they've been epic. So thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you for us. having me. And good luck sport. tonight. You've got a big show. We have got a big show. Patrick Cripps is oh, coming in. Right. <laughs> it's a good one. Is he one of your favourites? Yeah. Do you have favourites? How favorites? could you not love him? No. I have favourites every time I come in and I meet them. I think, oh, aren't they lovely? They're so nice. And then I'll say, I should get that boy's jumper. I should definitely wear his number. <laughs> <laughs> they're all so nice. And so, I really just love young people having success in their life. So it's so lovely to see that. Eddie Betts is our family favourite. And my son idolises and adores him. So my husband didn't quite get that wish. He did bear it for Carlton for a little while and then Carlton traded him. Now he's an Adelaide boy. So oh. we're off to Adelaide Carlton this weekend and... Um, yeah, my mum's flying in because she's an Adelaide girl. Now we're divided in the family. Thanks so much for coming Thank in. Thank you. So vote with, your, vote with your remote controls tonight, people. You've got so many um, footy shows to choose from. Including two good ones. <laughs> hey, damn. So you're up for that's up, that's up for debate. Hey, Nicole, you've got you've been on Fan Watch this week with the dynamic ticketing situation. Yeah, or the inflated ticketing situation is my, what we should call it. The um, AFL Fans Association have done a bit of research on the dynamic ticketing that was actually introduced last year. I think they had another go previously, but was really only embraced by the clubs this year and it's actually the clubs that are in charge of this. So the idea is it allows home clubs to set reserve seat pricing pre-season and then they can up it between $1 and $3 up to four times up to match day. Technically, they can drop prices too for low-demand games. However, as it turns out, of the 56 times the home games could have adopted this strategy, um, 51 of them, the prices went up. Uh, one particular example, uh, and so therefore only five, it went, they went down. Um, and one example was Anzac Day, where Essendon upped the level for level, uh, sorry, level four seats by eighty percent to hits at different points right up until match day. So that you know, obviously the the, the, the AFL initially said that this would favour fans. I'm going to argue probably that's not happened, and it's also made it really confusing because it depends when you buy the ticket is how much it's going to cost. So it's favoured some fans, Nicole. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the way you know it's favoured some fans. Who can afford it? Yeah, right. Well, that's right. The ones who, um, yeah, you're right. Basically, there's that uh, those people who already have the advantage. So I think, you know, we'll see how it pans out. But um, there were some clubs that completely avoided it, but there were some other clubs that seemed to embrace it wholeheartedly and have done very well. So rather than generating uh, bigger crowds, which is what the plan was for those low low demand games, actually instead I think it's just become a revenue raiser. It's so weird. I always feel like the tickets should be the same across the yeah. board. Like they're going to the movies. It doesn't matter if you're seeing, are they the same price? They're not, are they? I do we still know. have Tight Ass Tuesday? I don't know. I Which think we do in some places. Yeah. 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 And you've got mums and bubs if you're prepared not That's to listen true. to anything. <laughs> 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 um, 
Um, where there's another great injustice being done is in the world of streaking, Alicia. That's right. <laughs> the Community Cup was on the weekend and the Rock Dogs won. Congratulations. Mm. And, of course, as is tradition with each Community Cup, there were some streakers and there was, uh, as we record this, there's three men who have a penalty notice uh, for $626 for streaking. They're, they are looking for the fourth guy. Where the injustice comes is there was a couple of women there but uh, they, the police are not interested in them. But it made me think oh, of... Maybe they are. So women's streaking fully yeah. nude. Yep, yep. Wow. There's photos on Facebook and then they came down. I'm not saying who put them up. Um, <laughs> are they nude? I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just looking at the AFL doesn't have a specific policy on streaking, but the maximum maximum penalty for unlawfully entering Etihad is $7,000. And the last time someone was sentenced to three months jail for streaking at a state of origin match in 2013. It just made me look back quickly on the history of streaking and uh, I, I'll get to a the grand final uh, in uh, the 80s soon. But um, in 1799 in London, a man was arrested at Mansion House London and sent to the Poultry Compter. He confirmed that he had What's accepted... That? Exactly. Chicken house? <laughs> chicken, chicken house? house? Chicken house? The I think chicken... it's a chicken counter. Yeah. <laughs> and he had accepted 10 guineas to run naked from Cornhill to Cheapside. So that's... That's a lot of money back then. That's right. You don't know how long that run was, though. Yeah, <laughs> Good true. Point. But yeah. how many streakers did we see in the VFL? And most famously in 1982, of course, uh, Carlton versus Richmond. Carlton were up by a point and a woman came on street and Bruce Dool annoyed and so forth. But Lou Richards said she uh, certainly uh, has disrupted everything at this moment. Uh. And Peter Landy <laughs> said uh, he asked for a replay. Oh so can you gosh. imagine that now? He said, can we just have a replay? Peter Didn't Landy? they do that for a man? Slow, like a slow I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm so fascinated though. Why are the male streakers mm. from the Community mm. Cup being charged and penalised and the women aren't? Like... I'm just, mm. I'm interested too, but I'm wondering if they didn't know that that, that, that happened or, um, but it is a famous, so what do you girls think of uh, getting female privilege? Up? It's time to get <laughs> incensed about this. All those people on the internet that are yep. always saying you social justice warriors out there banging your feminazi, whatever. Yeah, we found female Here privilege. Is yep. Here is a cause for you to get behind. Yep. Absolutely. In the nude streaking world. I'm, a never not I'm an actual never nude. Are you streaking. shower in your yeah. clothes and Pretty stuff? Much. Yeah. yeah. Given not that the Olympians used to compete naked, naked. I yeah. feel like it's just returning athleticism to, our to it. How did they mm. run? Come on. Very painfully. Very, oh, yeah. well, painfully, I'd imagine. A lot of those original marathoners actually died at the end. So. Mm. Oh. And that's why times have... That's a funny thought. I know, <laughs> from embarrassment. That's the real reason why times have improved over time, you know. Women are wearing bras these days. Oh, and actually, yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. <laughs> um, and Lucy, you were watching the coaches' boxes this week. The Scott oh, brothers are always the best in the yeah, coaches' Yeah, but boxes. don't you love it when they're on the phone? And then I got to thinking, they're all on old school handsets. They are. And they're all taped up. Yes, I love yes. that. And so I started thinking, you know, when my son was two, he saw rain for the first time because he was born in a drought, so hadn't seen rain. And I was thinking, there's got to be kids who watch the TV during football and they see these coaches holding things to their heads and they say, 
I mean, what is that? <laughs> yes. Exactly. But are they taped up because they have to go to antique stores to find handsets? <laughs> like they're the only ones that... And it got me thinking, what other old school items are they using in coaches' boxes? Like, do they heat up their coffee with a burko or something? You know, those old funny little things <laughs> in urn? Play yeah. beta tapes. Yes. yes. So are they, are they listening, you know, getting themselves all, you know, pumped up for the game with a Walkman? <laughs> yeah. And those dressing gowns that they're wearing instead of parachute tracksuits. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> then there are some coaches who never are on the phone. And so I started having a little look at this and there's a big footy thread about, has anyone ever seen Clarko on the phone? No. No. But he smiled this week. He, he did smile. That was weird. It's that is really yeah, unsettling, is nice. isn't it? I, I spent a bit of time on that thinking about Omen Watch. You know, mm. I thought, what does this mean? This is like a once in 1,000 year <laughs> moment. Mm. He didn't just smile. He was pleased. Genuinely pleased. happy. Yeah. yeah. Was, he wasn't eating a hamburger. No. no. <laughs> hey, um, I had an update to Period Watch. Um, we got some feedback about um, that last week, which was really interesting. People were like, yes, let's talk about periods more often. And um, I got a message from Freya, who um, is also is another podcast kin, and she was saying at her footy club they've been advised, not that there's anything you can do about it, that if you're playing and you've got your period, you're more likely to do an ACL or a PCL because of the way that your hormones are interacting yeah. with muscle elasticity. And also I was talking to Annie Nolan about it, and she was saying that um, she had had a chat with someone during the Pride game that we went to in Hamilton. There was only one toilet um, because there was urinals in the change rooms, and so a lot of the girls were spending time queued up waiting for the toilet at halftime. So they oh. really only got about 10 minutes to kind of talk tactics and um, and that kind of stuff. So there's obviously a need for this conversation to keep happening so that people can at least make sure that, you mm. know, change rooms are Basic. well enough appointed mm. with um, facilities for women who want to play the game. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable in this day and age that... Yeah, I wonder if all of those places have got, footy clubs have got, you know, those sanitary um, bins. bins. Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's what they're called. They are. It's <laughs> a tricky word, that one. Hey, um, before we step out of here, I just wanted to do a shout out. I am um, just being absolutely miserable at footy tipping and I apologise <laughs> on behalf of, like, I've... I picked up the mantle for the age tipping competition and it's been an absolute shock. I've had an absolute shock. I'm being beaten by the dog. I'm being beat by, oh. beaten by, and he doesn't even have a computer. Should I just tell you that we all got together and we've been helping the dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've shamed yeah. us. We're this done. would not surprise me at all. But um, I put it out there on Twitter and I said, I'm doing just such a terrible job in the name of the Outer Sanctum. I'm so sorry. A few people were so kind and came back and said, if you're good at tipping this year, it means you know nothing about football, which made oh. me feel... You know, so much better. You tell Caroline Wilson who's leading that. I know. So you're basically winning. Buzz not telling Caro that. Um, But I got a message from one of our listeners, um, Daryl, who said a big shout out to Eloise, his daughter, who helped with the tipping and her little sister Abigail. They listen to the podcast every week when they're driving to netball, which is so sweet. They're all in the car together. So we just wanted to say hello. And if you are terrible at tipping and I'm terrible at tipping, why don't we get together and be friends? Non-competitive. Friends, thank you so much for joining us again this week, and also thank you for all your lovely reviews. Yes, we had an influx of reviews on our um, on the iTunes and we on the iTunes <laughs> on, <laughs> on the, the, the information superhighway. Super <laughs> um, so have a great weekend and go footy. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.